Hi, Bon. Vanakam. Hello. I'm Mindy, and today I'm going to talk to you about American exceptionalism. And spoiler alert, you're not that exceptional. You have as much to learn from me, a Sri Lankan, or someone in Nigeria, or someone in Bangladesh, as any of those people has to learn from you. And the sooner you realize this, the closer you'll get to, you know, joining the third world, aka Earth. So what I write about in this thing is that American exceptionalism is getting you killed. And there's a sublime song I used to listen to. It's a Bad Religion cover. It says, early man walked away as modern man took control. Their minds were all the same, and to conquer was their goal. So they built his great empire and slaughtered his own kind. Died a confused man, killed himself with his own mind. And it goes on, we're only going to die for our own arrogance. So we might as well take our time. Bradley just sort of repeats those lines over and over. And I think it applies to America today. I know the symptom is uh, COVID, I know you're having a coup, but the cause is arrogance. So what Bradley and Bad Religion were talking about is kind of the fate of all empires. There's this guy, Joseph Tainter, who writes about the collapse of complex societies, and Vaclav Smil writes about it in context of energy. And one, you should read those, it's complicated. But one broad theory is that when inequality gets to a certain point, and you know the elites won't go down a notch, they won't give you fucking $2,000 for a month, at that point, civilizations collapse. And they've looked at this from like ancient civilizations to, I guess, pre-modern, maybe not quite modern. But the, basically the point is, if elites are looting and they're not gonna give up, at some point you gotta knock the whole thing over. And so those are sort of the tensions that are emerging in America today, which of course, is hard to see if you don't know where you came from, if you don't know your own history, if you think you're exceptional. It's, in that sense, American exceptionalism, the fact that you're believing a mythology over the reality in front of you, that's what's getting you killed. And COVID-19 is just a symptom of that. So white Americans consistently refuse to believe what is happening to them because it's not supposed to be happening to them. They say, our democracy cannot be collapsing. It's so old. The pandemic cannot be out of control. We're so rich. From the crazies of QAnon to the sober talking heads on TV, everybody agrees America is exceptional and things cannot be exactly what they are. Because from the outside world, sorry about chickens, they, I live next door to chickens. For the outside world, we look at what's happening and we're like, wait, why don't you cover this like you cover us? Here, you're quite quick to use words like corrupt or coup or collapsing. But when it comes to America, you use, you know, you break out the thesaurus. Corrupt becomes, you know, norms are being violated. Coup becomes, I don't know, any number of word salads. And collapsing is never mentioned at all. There's never even the sense that, you know, this shit's really bad. And having lived through a collapse in Sri Lanka, what I can tell you is, like nobody gets on TV and announces, okay, shit is collapsing, so I guess maybe I shouldn't be criticizing them for that. But what I mean is, it's just a series of ordinary days in between extraordinary bullshit. And that I think is what you're living through and what you're feeling. And perhaps you don't have the words for it because you're still thinking through a mythology and not through a reality. So, you know, maybe just imagine it like a different country, Whiteistan, let's say. So there's a CLR James quote, which I get through Priyam Varagopal, which is that, a myth that has lost all contact with reality is a direct source of immeasurable confusion, catastrophes, and disasters. And that's precisely where America is at today. The myth of American greatness, which I grew up with, I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, that myth has come completely unmoored from American reality, and disaster has ensued. So this sort of most central myth, and I'll go through these myths in this video and sort of break them down for you. The central myth of America is that it's an old, strong, prosperous democracy. And that's just not true. 
None of it is true. But the fact that this has become like a quasi-religious belief for most Americans makes it impossible to fix it, to look at it, without also collapsing Americans' internal mental states. As in, the, you know, the cognitive dissonance is ringing louder than the Liberty Bell. It's hard to hold those two thoughts in your head at once, that I'm from America, the greatest country on earth, and it is also complete shit right now. So that cognitive dissonance is what I think leads people to shit like QAnon, or what even leads your liberal media to sort of downplaying how bad things are. Because it's almost easier to believe the myth and deny the reality than to, you know, really sit in the reality, which hurts. And I understand that. Like, yeah, it's hard. 4,000 people dying a day, having the worst economic collapse in your recorded history, just the rampant corruption and sheer fuckery you see every day coming from your leaders. That's hard to see. And it's also really hard to reconcile with, you know, I was educated in America. It's really hard to reconcile with the way you're educated, which is that there's this sort of long, beautiful arc of history, which is, you know, Thomas Jefferson and John Adams and those guys, they, they wrote freedom. And then Abraham Lincoln fought for it. And then the civil rights leaders, I guess, fought for it again. I don't know why you had to do that, but they brought it back. And then growing up in Ohio in the 90s, it was just done. That was the arc of American history, it was getting better. And then Barack Obama was elected, and you're like, oh yeah, things are going great. But then you get Trump, who's essentially your first white president, as in that was the default before that. He was the first president that, that ran on being white. And then all of a sudden, I think it's like a bicycle. I think mythology is like a bicycle. So as long as the bicycle keeps moving forward, it makes sense, and it'll stay upright. But the minute that bicycle stops moving forward, the whole thing clatters to the ground. And I think that's what happened. When Trump says, make America great again, that's not some stupid phrase. It makes a lot of sense. What he's referring to is taking America back to sort of pre-1965 era when, white, when it was a white fascist state. And that is most of your history. What he's talking about, and he's still talking about that, even when they talk about make you know, legal votes count, what they mean is legal votes pre-1965, when essentially white people could vote. And that's the voter suppression that they tried. And then in 2013, your Supreme Court rolled back the Voting Rights Act, which is why you see this shit happening. That in its essence was really rolling back your, your true freedom. You were not founded by these rich white guys who didn't want to pay taxes. At that point, only 6% of the population could vote. Even a lot of people who fought in the Continental Army would not have been able to vote. The system and your electoral college, all of your institutions, are actually designed to entrench that white power. What you have is a democracy sort of hacked out of a voter suppression system. And your founders, your true founders, are people like Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King, John Lewis. Your true founders are black. And that, of course, makes a lot of Americans' head explode. The cognitive dissonance that is way too fucking much. So it's like America is the best, it always was the best, and it's gonna stay the best. And that's sort of denying the fact that you have all of these problems. So it's very difficult to fix problems if you have a large group of people simply denying that problems exist or that problems are even possible for you. And this is the cancer of American exceptionalism. So that's sort of the first myth that I want to break down for you, which is that you're not the oldest democracy in the world, you're definitely not the best, your democracy is actually kind of shit. There's a lot of stuff which we find baffling from the outside world. For example, for your president, why does the winner of the popular vote not win? I've gone into that when I've explained the Electoral College for you know, foreigners. But it's not that complicated. If you get the most votes, you should fucking win. Then there's the fact that you guys have voting lines. So in Sri Lanka, I've never waited more than five minutes to vote. I don't think anybody in the world 
does that, like maybe half an hour, I don't know if it's raining. I've never waited more than five minutes. In America, we see lines going on for blocks. We see people waiting in line for days in primarily you know, black areas, in minority areas. In Texas, they just like rip out voting stations. That's not a good democracy. Like, I mean, it's actually troubling because our dudes haven't even figured that out yet, that you can just like just stop people from voting. That's fucking crazy. That's sort of the basis. They try to get people to vote for them or they'll give you, you know, like a butt packet or some ARAC. But nobody's figured out that, hey, we can just like stop people from voting or like pull out the polling booths. So thanks for that innovation, you fuck boys. And of course, like another problem you're having now is that literally nobody else waits two months to seat the president. That's a built-in coup in your system, and it's fucking crazy. Like everywhere else, you sort of hand over power the next day because, you know, like, the, you, why would you want the loser to like be holding all the guns and the media controls and shit? It's crazy. Now, the other great central myth around America is that you're the strongest country in the world. And I think perhaps you've confused the most violent with the strongest. I think Americans are surprised that their capital was overrun much easier than, say, an Ariana Grande concert, which is actually quite highly secure at this point. You should hold your electoral meetings in there. I think that's misunderstanding what American defense is and who it is. So what you call defense is actually offense. You guys wage aggressive, offensive wars on generally random people. And America's kind of weird. It's like the only empire that's grown by losing wars. Like, it's really just a grift. Like, you'll just go and stay in Afghanistan and, like, accomplish what? You guys are always thanking your troops for, you know, like, protecting our freedom and our rights, but they're not doing fuck all for you. It's like any empire. They're just protecting commercial interests. And Americans have taken to the next level. We're like, hey, wait, we don't even need to win the war. So we can make it like a subscription service. We'll just stay in these places for fucking ever and just keep, like, dropping expensive bombs on poor people and keep dumping money into here. And the arms dealers can get paid. The mercenaries can keep paid. And it's like an eternal grift. And on a bipartisan basis, Congress will approve this shit. And then, like, people will thank, like, to be honest, the suckers who we enlist in this shit uh, at, at airports. And the whole grift will keep going. Meanwhile, it's just, it's, it's like fucking human sacrifice. Like, you're just killing Muslims to make money for your arms contractors. And, of course, you can see that in the attack on the Capitol. Your intelligence services can drop a bomb on someone saying Allahu Akbar from 10,000 miles away. But they couldn't figure out a fucking insurrection where they had public Facebook groups in their own city. Like, it's not that they couldn't really, right? They just, like, they didn't want to. Your security forces are more likely to join the white terrorists than to fight them. And your cops and border police are the same. They're not defending you. These are essentially offensive weapons of the state pointed at brown and black people primarily. America's had numerous warnings about white terrorism, about white power. And you know, they're not, they're not moving on that because frankly, they don't care. When it comes to the actual threats you as a democracy face, your security forces are more likely to turn on you than help. As Rage Against the Machine said, some of those that work forces are the same that burn crosses. You know, I listened to Rage, Rage Against the Machine when I was in high school, and I thought, like, what are they talking about? America's like, fine. But fucking hell, they were right. So the general myth of America, which I grew up with, was that, you know, all these things were okay because, again, you're on the bicycle of history and you're headed in the right direction. And also because, hell, it worked. You were prosperous. You were like a rich society. People lived well. And then, you know, in Sri Lanka, that's the impression as we had as well, which is when I came back on holiday, it was just the idea that like Americans had more stuff, they had better lives, that was a nice place to go. And that mythology is obviously falling apart. And the fact is, that shit was never true for a lot of people. That shit was never true for a lot of people. 
and they could tell you if you listen to them, if you put them in positions of power and they could help you through this. Now, to me, the difference is striking because honestly, if you fly into say like JFK compared to Incheon in Seoul, it's like night and day. Like you guys are not an advanced civilization. There's better airports in India now than there are in America. So we, let's take high-speed rail. There's more high-speed rail in the city of Wuhan than there is in America total, in the sense that you don't have high-speed rail. You guys are like fucking trying to reinvent high-speed rail as some monorail fuck tube that Elon Musk wants to put you in. So America also has worse public health, as you may have noticed, than Ghana, than Mongolia, than Rwanda. Literally, there's people with clipboards running fucking circles around you. And just on a daily basis, much poorer countries like Cuba have much better healthcare than you. Even in Sri Lanka, we have universal healthcare. Like we can't get this crazy, super like rich person surgeries you get. But if you have like, you know, you need like a, you have a problem and you need a colostomy bag, you can get that. If you have a heart attack, they'll take care of that. We do have like medical bankruptcy here, but it's not so fucking regular. I think in America, it's the number one cause of bankruptcy. Your healthcare system spends the most to get the least, and it's just fucking crazy. Like, you guys are so scared of socialism that you've neglected to have a society. Like, Sri Lanka, we're a democratic socialist country. It's not insane. We still, you can like still buy fucking donuts or whatever you want. And then there's just some stuff that America has that nobody else has. Like, nobody puts as many people in prison as Americans do. Nobody goes into debt peonage for their education at the same rate that Americans do. Nobody has active shooter drills in school. If fucking one person got like killed by an eraser in Sri Lankan schools, we would ban erasers. You guys are fucking nuts about that. I think someone said on Twitter that, you know, that was the day the gun debate ended, the Sandy Hook shooting. When people decided it was okay to have elementary school students murdered in school, like that was it. There's no bottom after that. And finally, you know, the point of the day is that nobody is dying of COVID-19 is bad. In your press, you always say like, you know, you compare itself to developed countries, whatever the fuck that means, to like rich countries, to white countries, essentially, with the inclusion of South Korea, because they've like come up. And you don't need to compare it like that. You can just compare yourself to the world. Like compared to the whole world, you guys are the worst. It's not to do with, and that should sort of tell you what this word developed means. It's like a colonial term. What does developed mean if you don't have public health? What, would, what does advanced mean if you can't pull a mask over your face? And then, so the, the thing that props up this myth is like your stock market, your GDP, which are weirdly like increasing during this time. But what you need to understand is that's measuring rich people's wealth. If you put me and Jeff Bezos in a room together, our combined net worth is half a trillion dollars, but I still have the same amount of money. So that's kind of what you're seeing. Your elites, their numbers show up on the books, but to be frank, they don't show up in your taxes. They've been cutting that and they barely even touch your country. These guys are just offshoring it or dumping whatever their money is into magic money land where like you don't get audited. I think the most audited county in America is some random black county in Mississippi. When you know, if you want to audit people, just like walk into museums and universities and see whose names are on the wall. Those are the fuckers you should audit. This has led to a situation where the modern image of America is a car in a breadline. This is the perverse juxtaposition of seeming prosperity with actual poverty that defines America today. That is the reality behind your myth. The myth is the car, the myth is the iPhone. The reality is that people can't put food on the table. And I say this not to dunk on America, I mean, a little bit, but I say this to just to say, you know, welcome to the world. Like in Sri Lanka, we regularly get development reports, which are basically, you know, about how much we suck and how we need to improve. And we like read these reports and we're like, yeah, okay, like we should do this stuff. Americans are sort of incapable of that. 
If you think you're the best, then what do you need to change? If you think everybody else is worse, then what could you possibly learn for them? And this is frankly fatal for a civilization. My core point is that there is no developing and developed world anymore. You're either developing or in decline. There's no fixed state of development. You don't just get there and you're done. And America hasn't been developing. On the contrary, you've been resting on your laurels, resting on your mitts, and sort of disassembling your government, and disassembling your infrastructure, and just disassembling everything, and saying, hey, look, we can just keep getting richer by like, selling off all our fucking assets and like, you know, tearing apart our society. And then when a pandemic hits, when you need a society, you're like, oh shit, we needed all that stuff. And that's kind of where you are today. And the root cause of that is American exceptionalism. So in other countries, we're always like looking at what other people do, what we can change, how we can do better, what we can copy. But Americans, since you feel like you're at the top of the world, you feel like you don't have to learn from anybody. So the result is you haven't learned anything. America's literally turned into a Bruce Springsteen song, which is not a good thing. Your politicians play like Bruce Springsteen songs at their rallies, and these are like you know, fairly accurate depictions of America. They're, they're sad. You guys are turned into glory days, where you're sort of sitting at a bar talking about how great you were in high school, which is like World War II, effectively. Meanwhile, like, you're not doing that fucking great. Look, America's been a failed state in a Gucci belt for years, and now even the belt has fallen off. And I'm just telling you, the empire has no clothes. So this right realization, if you can come to it, if you can sort of look at where you came from and where you are, that can actually help you get out of the situation you're in. But there's this psychological problem, which I think is actually very hard for Americans to process this information. It's very painful. It's very painful to like sort of discard your mythology and how you feel you were. This isn't just you know, a geopolitical thing. This is people's self-worth. This is who they are. This is how they feel. And that's why you get things like QAnon. So rather than people admitting that they've been grifted by a serial grifter, they'll believe that Donald Trump is heroically fighting a bunch of satanic pedophiles and that they're in on it and not, you know, just a grifter. That's the strength of the cognitive dissonance. In order to preserve this mythology, people will bend reality to somehow fit, even if it literally kills them. And like even liberals do this. So April D. Ryan, who seems cool, she says, what makes us different from third world countries and dictatorships? And the answer is nothing, just your own hubris. The idea that you're sort of naturally different from other countries, or the idea that the third world means less and not just the people who weren't aligned with the communist or the capitalist, the idea that you're exceptional is precisely what's getting you killed. And that's what's preventing you from learning from other places and from changing. The fact that you can't even recognize a problem and you can't look for solutions, that's fatal. And then Pete Buttigieg will say, weapons like the ones I carried in Afghanistan have no place on our streets or in our schools, least of all in the hands of white nationalists. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing in Afghanistan, man? You know, you guys send straight up white nationalists over there to go run around in like countries full of Muslims. How do you think that's going? You think anybody likes it there? If you say these guys are fighting for your freedom, why the fuck can't you go there? So even Pete Buttigieg cannot process that America is not an exception and that they shouldn't be doing this anywhere. And perhaps that's why these chickens are coming home to roost. And that's why these weapons and this violence is coming back to you. I think Americans have this idea that exceptionalism is some kind of like magical special sauce, you know, one part blood of Jesus, 11 herbs and spices, Oxycontin. 
and you just like pour it on yourself and you'll be protected from fucking viruses and coups and whatever ails you. I and mean, it just doesn't work that way. There is no special sauce to navigating the world. Challenges come at you, you have to face them. You're going to fuck up, it's guaranteed. Every state sucks to some degree. And everyone's in some level of denial. Everyone has to think they're the best to like wake up in the morning. But at some, to some, at some point, you have to just look at yourself and say, okay, we need to change these things. We need to be more like that person. And that's something Americans have been sort of congenitally incapable of doing. What I think Americans have made the mistake of, as, uh, as the notorious B.I.G. said, this is the fourth crack commandment. Never get high on your own supply. And Americans have gotten high on their own propaganda. And it's frankly made you insane. And Biggie concluded this by saying, if not, 24 years on the wake up, slug hit your temple, shake your whole frame up. And that's true. If you go on thinking you're exceptional, thinking you can get high on your own supply, then it will take more than 24 years. It will take generations to come out of this. It'll take people born into the fact who will never have known America as you know, a seemingly invincible country as I did in the 90s. It will take those people coming up over 24, 30, maybe 40 years for you to change. So what I'm telling you here is that American exceptionalism is getting you killed. And in the short term, there isn't that much you can do about it. Because just the psychological pull of this America is the best is so strongly tied to people's self-esteem that it's going to be really hard. It is a generational effort. Lots of people would rather believe that Americans are somehow the victims of their own demise than the cause of it. There's people who are literally believing in the modern protocols of the elders of Zion, rather than just looking what's in front of them, seeing real problems and changing them. And the great danger of that, of course, is that you really end up with, you know, campaign of Hitler 2032. Hitler came up from these grievances, offering a very easy solution, which actually ended in complete destruction, which is sort of history's normal way of uh, fixing these things. Like in the Hindu Trinity, there's the creator, the preserver, and the destroyer, and they're all important. Like a computer, at some point, you have to just turn it off and turn it on again. This is, of course, exceptionally violent, and as someone who lives in the world, I pray that America can avoid that state. So this is where you are, face down in a ditch, thinking you're among the stars. The first rule of holes is to stop digging, but a lot of Americans don't even believe in holes. And I'm just here, you know, as your foreign correspondent, not to tell you the solution to your problems, I don't fucking know, but just to tell you kind of where you are. Because if you don't know where you came from, and if you don't know where you are, how the fuck are you going to get where you're going? And I can tell you this one thing. America is exceptional in one way. America is exceptionally fucked.